Welcome to episode 115 of Nobody Special. In this episode, we talk about the Sermon on the Mount with Dr. Pennington. All right, hold on. Stop the music. Here's the deal. Dr. Jonathan Pennington is a very smart man, smarter than both of us combined yes. times two. Uh, and we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So it would be very helpful, and you should do it. Just open up your Bible, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. It's a quick read, and then come back and then play this. And not just because that gives us two download views. <laughs> the Castle Plot Plus presents Nobody Special. Hey everybody, welcome to Nobody Special to Nobody's Talking About the Somebody Who Matters. I'm Danny, the host and not special guest of Nobody Special. And I'm Caleb, you're the host of Nobody Special. This is a podcast where two generations of people talk about God, pop culture, politics, and everything in between, all while not taking any of it too seriously. Caleb, we normally do banter here, but I don't care today. Yeah, we uh, have actually, a I guest. Have a, I have a special guest in today. It's, it is a an, an actual treat, uh, Dr. Pennington. Uh, it, is joining us today. Hey, please uh, give us a uh, give us a hi. Tell us how everything's hey. going. Hey, it's great. Glad to be with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Pennington is uh, coming out of Kentucky. Is that right? Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. Mm-hmm. And is the uh, uh, the yeah, check this out. So there's a lot of things here. Uh, <laughs> the associate professor of New Testament and the director of research of doctoral studies at. Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary, um, and has published a few books, and I've mm-hmm. gone through a few of them, and uh, yeah. uh, actually challenged me during uh, a graduate school also. <laughs> He's um, also the associate pastor of preaching for Sojourn Church East, is that right? And yep. um, yeah, very awesome author. I know Danny loves your books, and uh <laughs> They, yeah, they're great. I actually, uh, I was exposed to them in um, a, a graduate class. Uh, the, the, um, oh, watch! It was the Gospel of Matthew and the. Uh, I'm sorry. Obviously, it had a big impact on you. Obviously, you no. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I've, <laughs> I've gone through like five different books, but I did just plow through the sermon on the. Amount book, um, it, it was absolutely fantastic. It's, it's a great book, and it's 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 cool to kind of be able to dig in. You know, a three hundred page book on essentially two chapters of of the gospel, but it's a profound two chapters. And so, yeah, um, I know that as as far as podcasting goes, uh, there's also a podcast that comes out. I I think it's coming back in two. Weeks is that right? Yeah, we'll we'll have another episode coming out here pretty soon. Yep. Yeah, it's cars, coffee, and theology, um, and so that's a pretty. I love the uh, the style of the show, driving around, going to get coffee, talking. Um, and I know, you know. Well, first, just tell us uh, like what it's about. You know why you like doing it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, the uh, inspiration was originally Seinfeld, and you know, there's no mm-hmm. hide, no trying to hide that. Um, such an enjoyable show that a lot of us have watched over the last few years. Um, but as I watch that, I, you know, I always think of what Austin Kleon says. I don't know if you've read Austin Kleon's book, um, uh, 
about steal like an artist or steal like an artist you know everything we create as sub creators is really a mashup of other things you know there's nothing right. really new under the sun but i'm happy to honor seinfeld's original inspiration <laughs> but as i watched that show i realized you know this it really brings i thought i could do something like this uh that is really just for my own pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would just share with other because a big part of my life is actually, I'm very privileged to have very close friends with a lot of scholars of mm -hmm. all over the place. And just, I love talking to interesting intellectual people about, especially the Christian faith. And I love drinking really good coffee. Mm -hmm. And I love my old sports car. And I thought, you know what, why not just combine these things? Swish, you know, there's yeah, kind of a three. genre that's out there and it's fun. And it's, so it's really just three things I love mashed up together, uh, like a good guacamole. And, <laughs> um, and then I thought, well, why not just, you know, I, I do these kind of things anyways. I drive around with people and I walk with people a lot. Why not just kind of share them? So it's, you know, it's been a ton of fun. Thanks to my, a good friend of mine who uh, served as the producer for the first season. He really mm -hmm. made it happen. Um, because of all the audio and production side of it, that's a lot more right. involved than people would realize. And then my daughter, who's um, a musician, and you may hear her on the jingle at the beginning, and also is an audio engineer. She has taken over the production of the show now for the second season, and, right. and keeps me, you know, keeps me going. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, it's a total joy. It's just an opportunity for me to to talk with interesting people about the mm -hmm. Bible, and scripture, and their own scholarship, and yeah, it's fun. So check it out yeah. on YouTube, Course of Theology. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I've gone through, I think, all of those once or twice. It's a phenomenal a kind of a podcast, and it's got some pretty big uh, people in there as far as being able to pick their brains. And I'm I'm also, it's it's cool to talk to these people, but as, as people, because a good amount of times people think they're these academics that they just, they think on, yeah. on deep thoughts and, uh, and drive clouds in to go to the office and <laughs> that's it. But in, in actuality, they're people, they get coffee, they get Starbucks. And I mean, that's a personality test. There is figuring out the type of coffee oh, they yeah. drink. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's I, part of it. I just, I want to reveal these people as just real right. people too. You know I mean? Right. I want to talk about their ideas, but they're just real people, you know? And right. So. And everyone carries a first car that they drove and it's like, yeah, yeah. Right. it, it tried to kill them at some point, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that obviously you enjoy coffee. It's in the title of the show. Um, I got to know, what is your favorite style of making coffee, whether it's at home with the Chemex, just a normal coffee machine, pour over, what is it? Oh, yeah, uh, just right before we got on, I just made a, okay. a V60. I just, I don't need a whole Chemex at home, but a V60 of uh, nice. a from Quills. Uh, so I used to roast beans at home mm -hmm. and, and make a lot at home, but in Louisville, we have such excellent coffee. We have really? two really excellent award-winning, you know, national award-winning um Roasteries and shops, Quills Coffee and Sooner Goss, mm. they're both amazing. And so between that and at my office, we make a couple of Chemexes a day. I kind of gotten out of the habit of making coffee at home, and I certainly don't need to roast my beans anymore because I could just buy really excellent beans. Right. Um, and so it's not really, it's been the quarantine that's got me making coffee mm -hmm. at home again because I used to just go to coffee shops all the time or have it at work. So, yep, right. so I've just made some... <laughs> Fancy, nice, yeah. yeah I have no, a, I, I use folders. I get it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Danny's the. Uh, I know. I'm working on it. Or not folders. An off-brand that isn't. <laughs> he claims it takes too much time, which it is true. If you don't have the time, 
it is it's kind of hard but i like waking up and you know the uh just taking your time to do i do yep. pour over personally at home but yeah that's what this was is a yeah mm -hmm. yep. yeah it's very delicious coffee yeah i've been told it tastes different i i don't know i guess i'm just not there yet <laughs> i'm working on it so it's acquired taste buds danny i'm know, working on it this is a better palate <laughs> <laughs> i i tend to do the coffee that's on sale that week so that's uh <laughs> yeah yeah now um to jump into the sermon on the amount there's a Gosh, I mean, the entire book, I've already plugged it. I'm going to plug it again. It's a fantastic book. Go pick it up. Um, how to distill that book down into just kind of a soundbite is very, very tricky. But um, I I know that, that, that a big part of it is um, understanding that, that, that this is an explanation of the, instead of people being blessed, a blessed it's f flourishing um in in a particular or to the uh to the beatitudes and that's a big uh a, a big difference that i think a ton of people they push back on that as far as you know going through it in church and that kind of thing that's a big cultural uh a change as far as the, the wording on that um why propose that change and what difference does that carry in the sure. meaning? Um, well, if I might step back, maybe mm -hmm. pull, pull up another 10,000 feet, it might be helpful to approach it. Just to kind of think about what I'm trying to do in this book. That's all right with you guys. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the book is half, uh, it's split in half. The first half is sort of how to read the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second half is a commentary, uh, right. a very theological commentary that, you know, reads the text, um, sensitive to its theological themes. Um, and in that, and the reason I wrote the book is because I was teaching through, so I'm a Matthew scholar, that's not kind of an area of study and I've done a lot of work in Matthew. Mm -hmm. And then about 10 or 12 years ago, I started teaching a class on the Sermon on the Mount, thinking, okay. well, I know something about Matthew, I must know something about the sermon. I uh, quickly realized I knew nothing about the sermon <laughs> and didn't realize what a, what a massively important text, you know, in the mm -hmm. history of the church, the Sermon on the Mount has been from the first centuries of the church on, the single most commented upon, uh, preached upon, taught upon, written upon um, text of all the Bible. I mean, it's it's really, it, it would not be a mistake to recognize the Sermon on the Mount as probably the single most influential section mm -hmm. of the Bible. Uh, that Absolutely. even includes comparing it with Romans and things like that, because in the whole right. span of the history of the church, for sure, the sermon is central. So I quickly began to realize, wow, I've got I've got to figure out what's going on here. And the more I studied it, the more amazed I was at its beauty and artistry um, and depth and, and the ideas. And, and basically what motivated me to write the book is that I, as I was teaching on it and coming to discover things um, and, and talking to students about it, I kept hearing from people, you've got to write this stuff down, you know, because this isn't the way I've been taught to read the sermon. And the short story of it is, I think the what I think is going on in the sermon is that it is uh, part of Matthew's presentation of Jesus as mm. the true wisdom of the world the, or the great philosopher, the truest philosopher of the world, who is God, King, Savior, he's all those things, but he's also a teacher. And that's Matthew's big idea. And what does he mm -hmm. teach? He teaches um, humanity how to find true life. Um, maybe John 10, 10 is a good way to sum it up. I've come that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Right. And that's where that idea of human flourishing comes in. 
to recognize that that is what God is about. He is about restoring humanity to our state of shalomness and that that's the end game of the Bible is that we mm-hmm. might be restored to fullness of humanity, to fullness of joy, peace, contentment. And the Greek people had a lot of words for this, but one of the main ones is eudaimonia, which we translate as flourishing, mm-hmm. or basically a synonym with that was the word makarios, uh, which means, again, flourishing, basically. Right. Uh, it's comparable to the Old Testament word asher or ashrei, which means the same thing. And, and one of the things that I discovered um, as I was working in, in the Sermon on the Mount was that the way it starts, with, which is what you're talking about, the Beatitudes, the way we translate those first, that first section of the Sermon on the Mount, five, Matthew 5, 3 to 12, it, we translate it with nine, that's the same word nine times, and we usually translate mm-hmm. it with the word blessed. But I came to realize after beating my head against the, the Greek text for many mm-hmm. years, and against think, and thinking about the English language, that that's mm-hmm. not what that word means. That the, the Greek word there, makarios, does not mean blessed in the English sense. It right. means it means happy or flourishing in this shalom, asher, eudaimonia sense. And mm-hmm. so it took a while. I mean, it was years of yeah. thinking about how to. I, I I literally spent about five years trying to think about how to translate that word. Just that that alone, in terms of other, in light of other things too. And I just came to realize that that the whole Sermon on the Mount is about uh, Jesus teaching what the true nature of life, abundant life, not in a kind of health and wealth craziness at all, but in including suffering and brokenness, Mm -hmm. but true happiness and true flourishing, and that that's what the Sermon on the Mount Mm -hmm. is really all about. Yeah, Yeah. I mean the uh, the idea of 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 putting it as blessed, it it almost pitched it as as a at as an exchange between God and people that is, if I do this, then I am blessed. And, uh, that's kind of, it's, it's, it isn't claiming that it's claiming that because I do this, I am in a state of being blessed. Kind of, I mean, kind of to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that's a really really clunky translation. So (laughs) (laughs) and that's Uh what I found is that the Christian tradition you know, some people, and I, I talk about this a couple of places in the book, mm-hmm. um, and there's a whole chapter, as you know, on the word, right. and the and how to translate it. Right. Um, you know, in the Christian tradition, some people, yeah, you're right, would read the Beatitudes like, well, if I do these things, then God will bless me. Right. Um, the, another tradition, and maybe especially Protestants talk this way, um, would, especially, would, would say, um, no, 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 it can't mean, it's not formulaic, so it just must mean that um, we are given grace and and when we're given, when we live that way, according to that grace, then we get more blessings. Well, those are nice ideas. That's just right. not what a, what a macroism is. Right. What a macroism is, a, a statement of Makariosness, mm-hmm. uh, is an invitation to mm-hmm. learn to see the world in a different way and then to live in the world in a different way because mm-hmm. that alone promises the happiness we long for, the flourishing we long for. And so Jesus is inviting people, as he says in chapter 11 later on, to take his yoke upon us and to learn his ways to become mm-hmm. disciples because his way of discipleship promises the fullness of life that we long for. And so that how a macroism works, how a Makarios statement works is a beatitude works is it's not giving us a set of demands, nor is mm-hmm. it um, just kind of giving this, this after the fact extra blessing. It's saying adopt a whole way of seeing and being because they're mm-hmm. a of life. So, 
Absolutely. It's, it's, if I'm understanding it, it's a, a, a tapping into the way God intended things to be. It's kind of a state of type of un- understanding of it that I, the people that are poor in spirit, um, they, they are, are, are tapping into the future promises of, of the kingdom of heaven. And I mean, that it was a great comparison that um, it, it is talking about the day to day, but it's talking about the day to day in the context of a part of, 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 of going into everything else. It's, it's, it's the everyday and, or it kind of the, a difficult concept is the now not a yet understanding. And that's always been mm-hmm. really difficult to explain to people the now not a yet, but that our promises start at this point and carry on into eternity. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's actually super interesting because you know, that we're talking about this because the church I go to, we're actually going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount currently. So, and this is my first time kind of really being exposed to it um, when I am actually trying to intentionally pursue God, if that makes sense. You know, like (laughs) before, you know, when I was younger, I mean, I'm still really young, um, but like, you know, I wasn't really, it wasn't an active thing, but wanting to learn more. And so actually trying to understand what the Sermon on the Mount is, besides it just being, you know, a thing that you hear about and, you know, brushed off as that, it's pretty crazy. And like you said, it's, it's a huge um, turning point in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one question I had, though, specifically, because I, I haven't been to seminary, of course, but I'm just here to, you know, learn, um, you know, what... How, how do we distinguish when it's just Matthew's interpretation or how, how much it is, you know, truly Jesus saying those things? Um, so, like, what, what would you say to that, like, as far as translation of Matthew being the one that's portraying what Jesus is saying? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, all history retelling uh, is interpretive, uh, is interpreted mm-hmm. even. I mean, there. every time you go to retell some event or some or repeat some teaching, there's a very complex intellectual process of what we might call selection and deselection and crafting. Um, that doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that there's the necessity when we humans communicate with each other about the past that we narrativize it and we deselect material that's irrelevant. So the example I give um, to my students regularly is like, you know, if you were to go home at the end of a day and your spouse or friend asks you, how was your day? Well, you're not going to hopefully take eight hours to go through every right. moment of what happened. You're right. going to shorten it, hopefully quite a bit. Um, <laughs> and some are better at this than others and children, little children, have have not learned this yet uh, that you have to deselect most of the material. Dear uh, goodness, they have not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to imagine that over a week or three weeks or three years. Mm-hmm. If you're three years, there's going to be a whole bunch of recrafting of the material, even rechronologizing it by theme. A lot of times, if you start mm-hmm. paying attention to your own retelling of history, now of course you could lie, um, but I'm assuming that you're being faithful, mm-hmm. and even within faithful storytelling, faithful history retelling. 
there's a whole bunch of interpretation that goes on. And what the church, the early church understood this ancient, this is what ancient historians understood. This is what they thought about ancient historiography being. And what they really valued is what we should value is that the people that are deeply invested in the the truthfulness of the events Mm -hmm. um, are the people that are actually most reliable to give us an interpretation of what happened. Now, it's very different than modern jurisprudence where we have a bias against witnesses. Mm -hmm. In the ancient world, they recognized the value of testimony because Mm -hmm. only those who um, were deeply invested in the events can have an insider perspective on their significance and meaning. Mm-hmm. Right? right. If all you're trying to get is the bare facts, then which is impossible anyways. But if you're trying to just get bare facts that are free of any interpretation, which, again, is not really possible, then I suppose some kind of objectivity might be acquired through a non-invested witness. But if you actually want to know what the significance of something is and what the meaningfulness of something is, you need invested witnesses. And so right. the, from the early stages of the church, they understood that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were eyewitness testimony. They were mm-hmm. testimony that either came directly as from disciples or they were from disciples of disciples in the case of Luke being a disciple of Paul and Mark being a disciple of Peter. And that's why those are probably in the middle bookended by the, the more, the bigger gospels in terms of direct witness, Matthew and John, but all four of them are testimonies to the events. So they involve interpretation. So Matthew is Matthew's presentation of the Mm -hmm. truth of Jesus and it's going to be different than Mark's and Luke's and John's, even though they're not contradictory, right. but they are going to be distinct. And so right. we don't have to be afraid to say, yeah, this is Matthew's interpretation of Jesus. I think it's a faithful interpretation. I believe it's mm-hmm. an inspired interpretation by the Spirit, but it is an interpretation. And so what we're doing when we're reading the Gospels is we're trying to listen to the voice of the witness. We're, mm-hmm. we're not trying to get behind Matthew to reconstruct an historical Jesus. We're actually trying to say, what has God inspired Matthew to teach us right. about Jesus? And, okay. I, and I think that's a really helpful perspective. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah like that's something, you know, that has really, that I've seen is the four gospels, right? Mm-hmm. In all their interpretations, you know, that's something that's been encouraging to me is seeing that they all line up. And even like statistically, you know, when stories don't line up, or I can't remember, it was back in high school and someone told me this, but like when stories line up, it is a lot of the times going to be true. That is the actual thing that occurred. So like, that's interesting that you're saying, like you said, you know, they don't contradict, but it's different interpretations. That is very interesting. And especially the, the, uh, a structure of, of the sermon on the Mount, the way it, it, it builds to the, uh, lord's prayer and and then talks about everything it talked about at the beginning it kind of um I, I mean as i've been taught this and to be honest i haven't been through a ton of um teachings going through you know phrase at a time on it and i was uh, pleased to go through this book that just goes like all right i'm unpacking this a verse at a time let's go uh but because because people tend to just kind of pick and choose the different areas and especially during um everybody in quarantine the amount of messages that have been taught on don't be anxious are uh, are 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 pretty pretty high up there and and they're great also though it's part of a bigger picture right um and and part of that picture is is this tension between i think 
kind of the flesh and the the giving up of the flesh to in in eternal mind uh, in perspective is that kind of a fair distinction going on there i mean it is talking about a day-to-day ethic but um it is also talking about a ton of stuff that's pretty counterintuitive yeah, it's interesting. Matthew doesn't use that language of flesh. That's more mm-hmm. Pauline way of speaking. Yeah. In fact, Matthew doesn't even talk about the spirit very much. But yeah, yeah I think if you if you want to analogize it to Paul's metaphors of flesh right. and spirit, which are you know deep deep biblical metaphors too. Right. Which is not Matthew's metaphors. Um, that, but it is comparable in the sense that I think the key is what you said. It's very counterintuitive. Many of the things yeah. that Jesus or that Jesus encourages us the yoke he encourages to take upon him is seems very unnatural to turn mm-hmm. the other cheek to uh, be a peacemaker meaning that you right. give up your rights instead of demanding justice right being humble um having a poverty of spirit hungry and thirsting that's not right. a positive image that means you feel the brokenness of the world and you're longing for god to come and set the world to right hungry and thirsty for righteousness right that's all very counterintuitive but that's exactly the point is yeah. that Jesus's way, if we'll adopt his way of seeing and being, we'll find life surprisingly, even in the midst of suffering and pain and loss. And I think that's at the heart of the message of the sermon in the mm-hmm. New Testament, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I've never um, personally stared at a person being persecuted for their faith and thought that person's really flourishing. But I think that's the the idea of, of all this is going, right? There's a bigger thing than all of us uh, that the people that are being persecuted most of the time they're, they're fine. Um, and they're going like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine. Like I have God, so I don't really need anything else. So, you know, they can persecute me, but, um, well, to, to a fair amount of people though, that's a pretty difficult bridge to cross over. So what kind of barriers do you think there are in getting people to kind of give up the flesh in order to, to, to step into this kind of a flourishing a lifestyle? Um, yeah. What are yeah. the barriers? Well, the flesh. Yeah. 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 I, uh, you know, you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. You know? it, as you step towards being a disciple, then you understand what it means to be a disciple. There's no right. way you can understand anything apart from doing it. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of the many problems with modern epistemology or modern how we know ideas of what it means to know mm-hmm. is that we've made knowing a cognitive process that's, that's disconnected from our bodies and our practice. Yeah. But in reality, knowing biblically and throughout most of human history was understood to be something that is deeply embodied and habituated. Um, it's not just this, this you know, Descartes kind of idea that your mind is separate from your body. Right. Um, but knowing is kind of like knowing how to play badminton or drive a stick shift or uh, any other kind of things that involves practice and it involves a deepening understanding as you do it. Well, that's what discipleship mm-hmm. is like. You can't really know that what Jesus says is true until you actually live in his way. But as you live in his way, um, you come to see it. And so, mm-hmm. again, the Gospel of John, um, the way he talks about this, one of the main themes in John is this idea of come and see. Just go back and read the first couple of chapters of John. Um, he's constantly 
and Jesus right. is saying people and other disciples are like Nathaniel and others saying, come, come and see, come and see. Right. And, and the woman at the well, come and see, right? All, all these people are saying, come and see. And that becomes like a metaphor for our whole lives that you have to, you have to come and, and know it by doing it. And then you'll know that this is the way of, of happiness. So. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I mean, that's something that I've thought about a lot in like, because I, a good example is I see, you know, people who are older than me and, um, you know, whether they're, I'll just give my, my grandpa as an example, you know, and he has such a great relationship with God and is in the word. And he has like that true desire to be in the word and to be praying for people and all this stuff. And I wish that I could just jump there, but the more and more I try and do that, I realize that it takes time and it's not possible to just jump there. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. part of the, part of what you're saying is like sanctification is the the process to not only become more like God, but once we grow closer to him, the more we know about him. And that's where that desire comes in is once we know more, we know the reasons why what he's doing for us and, and it serves that desire. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's been something I've thought about a lot mm-hmm. over the past year. So that's super interesting to hear. Yeah. Well, in the, in the last chapter of the book, I try to address some of these issues of what the relationship of, grace and virtue because when i talk about habituation Mm. i'm really talking about virtue um being being trained to be a certain way in the world and the so i wrestle with kind of some of these issues of how that relates to grace and i think they certainly are compatible Mm -hmm. one of the things i talk about in chapter 12 of the book is that um you know, we we are right to say that the Bible teaches that as we are, so we do. So the kind of fruit tree we are is the kind of fruit we'll bear, and that's absolutely true. But it's also true at the same time that as we do, so we become. And that's right. the part you're talking about there and I was talking about as well, that as we live certain ways, we grow into those ways. And, and right. it's, it's really um, important that we keep both of those aspects of our human existence together. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times we only emphasize one or the other. Right. Um, and, and you need both of them in balance. That we, we, what we do is a fruit of who we are. So we need mm-hmm. to pay attention to that. But also, changing the metaphor, the ways we walk shape us to be a certain kind of person. And sure. You've got to let those be. They, they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't square up with each other. You have to let them both be realities mm-hmm. that are yeah. dealing with different realms, and and that's what we call an antinomy. Uh, two ideas that formally are contradictory, but actually live together. And par- the paradox of them together is the truth. Um, right. And they're the, all the most important things in life are antinomies. They are these paradoxical truths. And I think that's an example of a pair as well. Right. I mean, uh, there's almost this aspect of it that it's, it's to, to jump into these. I mean, cause, cause a fair amount of these are, are pretty difficult things to do and, and pretty difficult changes. I mean, as Jesus is preaching it, it's a pretty, pretty big kind of a change that he's preaching um, to actually care about our enemies. Uh, I've never seen anyone get excited. Like I get to go care for my enemies today. It's going to be great. Um, it's, it's this changing of, of a perspective, but that comes by, of faith and in trusting that, Hey, this to me totally stinks, but um, I'm trusting that out of this, there is, there is a, 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 
an intention that God carries in crafting it in this type of a manner. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair amount of time that, um, our understanding catches up to scripture because, uh, you know, a lot of studies that come out on, on people that are angry all the time. Well, that actually ends up damaging a fair amount of things. And it's almost as if God's going like, yeah, no, I know. Like (laughs) I told you, but a faith is, is, it comes prior to the knowledge if it even brings the knowledge. I mean, the, the knowledge is almost not as important as the faith. The kind of everything's a both and. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's interesting. And now, um, as, 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 as far as the, uh, word choice between flourishing and, uh, being, blessed and all that. I know uh, another option, it was uh, um, a person that's going through this, they're kind of at, um, not joyful, but they're pleased to go through it or kind of, it's, 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 it's difficult to understand flourishing a bit of, of, of being in this context that they're doing these things and are flourishing. And so if there's a definition of flourishing, um, you know, there's like, just, yeah. the reality. There's no good translation. In yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and I just came up with after literally five or six years of mm-hmm. thinking about that particular word, right? Um, and I, I came up with the best one. It doesn't work in every case, but right. what we have to realize is that's that's because of translation. That's the nature of translation is that there, you can never words do not equal each other. Even right. in one language, like there's no right. such thing as an actual synonym. If you think about it, there's there's no two words that share the complete same semantic space, right? They mm-hmm. they all have slightly different nuances and evocations. But when you transfer across languages and especially across cultures as diverse as modern American versus ancient um, mm-hmm. Greek influenced Jewish culture, sure. there's a lot of difference. And so you you can expect that the translations are always going to be imperfect right? right it doesn't mean we can't read our english bibles i'm not saying that i'm just right, saying right. that i don't i don't think that i mean flourishing is good i think it's better yeah. than blessed because i think on the cost sheet cost benefit analysis or mm-hmm. it's better than blessed but i don't think it's perfect mm-hmm. um especially you know like flourishing are the ones persecuted um you know it, yeah seems odd but then again what i think is good about it is that i think it pushes us to reconsider the nature of true happiness mm. um, and that is what jesus is doing i mean i think even in jesus day the beatitudes that he gave would have been shocking because mm. what you expect them to say is flourishing is the one who has many children and flourishing mm. the ones whose crops are all wonderful and flourishing are the ones who has many friends and mm. and instead he says flourishing are the poor in spirit and flourishing mm. are the humble and flourishing are the ones who are persecuted because of righteousness so even in jesus's day they're shocking statements mm-hmm. um and so i'm i don't mind that it seems odd to us because i think it should kind of pry open some of our expectations as well right he's doing. So. sure yeah that's interesting i know um my pastor in the sermon series he actually is blessed so it's cool to hear the other side of that um and your reasoning behind that don't read the book it's not too late. I know. I know. I need to actually, he just finished it and he's been, you know, telling me I need to read through it. So I might actually yeah. pick it up because yeah, it's going over there next. Yeah. So. <laughs> now as, as, as far as the, um, the bulk of, uh, of the sermon though, I mean, 
uh, probably the biggest problem that I I go through going through this is I can't get more than two, three verses in and not understand like, oh yeah, yeah, this is unattainable. Um, <laughs> and that's, it, it's incredible or, or to do everything in there is very difficult. Um, I, I mean, even chapter five is very difficult. Even the first part is very difficult. Uh, and, and then as he goes into five, uh, a 20 that I need to be even more perfect than the Pharisees and, and thinking through, it's like, all right, they did all the proper things. And I, I have to exceed that is um, it's intentional because I think um, positive Jesus understood the thing he's speaking, but um, man, <laughs> that's a, it's quite an amount of pressure. Well, to, I, to, I hope yeah, to exceed that, yeah. The chapter yeah. on the word teleos and yeah. the commentary that you understand what my answer to that is going oh, to be. Oh, absolutely. That, um, you're absolutely right, and we're supposed right. to feel that. Um, but the um, the issue is, so so if the Sermon on the Mount is about, it's asking the question, what is mm -hmm. the nature of true happiness? The answer to it mm -hmm. is what you're just talking about, and that is wholeness. Right. So the answer is that our righteousness, so Matthew 5, 20, our righteousness that, that needs to surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees means that it's a wholeness between our outer lives and mm -hmm. our inner lives or our behavior and our hearts. Right. So the big theme uh, throughout the sermon that's the answer to the question of the Beatitudes is wholeness. So how do you experience true happiness? How do you experience true flourishing? You have to have a heart that is attuned to God and his coming kingdom not just an external behavior. External right. behavior matters too, because as you do, so you become, right? Mm -hmm. But the Pharisees' problem, they become the big enemies because the Pharisees' problem is that they actually are really good people on the outside. Right. They really are. They're not, yeah. they're not hypocrites in our modern sense of that word, like that they are preaching the gospel or you know preaching Judaism and then sleeping around or something. Not at mm -hmm. all. They're actually good people. Mm -hmm. So what is their problem? Their problem is that they have good behavior but their hearts are not mm -hmm. attuned to loving God and loving neighbor. Mm -hmm. And you can see that they don't love God by the fact that they don't love their neighbor. They oppress people. Mm -hmm. They reject people. They um, are overbearing to people. They tie people down with burdens. You, you can fast forward to Matthew 23 and you'll see a description mm -hmm. of how the Pharisees treat people. And so yeah. what Jesus is saying uh, throughout the sermon, including in 520, is that the righteousness that's necessary for us to be people of the kingdom of heaven is that it's not just exterior, but it's actually a kind mm -hmm. of inward godliness as well. Yeah. And so that is, so on the one hand, that's like super challenging. In fact, that's more challenging right. to us than right. just saying you have to be super extra holy. Right. Because mm -hmm. You could, you and I can work really, really hard and some people will be super successful at that, but everyone knows if they start looking on the inside of their heart, that that's mm -hmm. what this really is. So that's more challenging and on the other hand, it's very life-giving for Jesus to say that because he's not saying you have to work super extra hard and, yeah. and be the most holy super extra people and it's a competition to be the most holy. Instead, he's saying you need to pause, look inside, mm -hmm. and recognize that God sees and cares about your inner person and he wants to work by his spirit this true transformation there. And then as that gets worked out, that'll bear fruit in season and out of season. Mm -hmm. As we grow, it'll bear fruit in behavior. But you can't you can't focus on the be on the fruit without first 
dealing with the root or the tree, right? Sure. And so the the answer to how to be truly happy or how to flourish yeah. is found in being whole people whose hearts are turned to uh, attuned to God. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of um, you know then then the strategy on that is is to go through uh, to you know I'm I'm trying to not call it manage the sin but to do try and cut that out and also check out the uh, root that's causing it i mean Mm -hmm. um uh, to people that struggle through anger it's probably not good to come into a place and just scream at people okay so you know can't do that that's that's a clear don't do that and and, just manage the anger this is the problem you have to actually start why am i angry yeah why am i angry (laughs) absolutely and it's it's but it's it's a good point that you can't just go, well, I'm going to think about why I'm angry and I'm still going to go home and kick the dog. I mean, you can't do that. They, they, they're done together at the same time instead of um, only picking this or this. They're in conjunction together. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, the fact that – and I, I've thought about that just from you talking about it and also, once again – it's funny that we're doing the sermon series at the same time, you know, finding out what the root is. And mm-hmm. I found that like, it took a lot of thought for me to find out, you know, whether it's lust or anger or stuff like that, like to truly think about, you know, what right. is right. the root. And I feel like it's so, you know, in against what our culture, you know, typically is, it's just like, you know, do what you feel is right you know inside your heart <laughs> but to like do you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but to like sit down and think you know why am i doing this right um and to attack that you know because not only just you know managing sin is something that is like a lot harder but also you know just letting god kind of expose mm-hmm. those shadowed sure. areas of your hearts um yeah, it's kind of bringing those areas to God and saying like, hey, I'm a mess. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this entire thing is unachievable if if there isn't the end of, of being in, oh, in eternity. Right. Um, and only through God am I able to, to, to do any kind of change or justification of anything. So, yeah. Yeah. It's super so I, cool. I just... I just sent you guys, and maybe you can mm-hmm. post it somehow. Sure. Um, a link to my website and the page there that at jonathanpennington.com that has a bunch of resources, mm-hmm. including me doing 12 devotionals for mm-hmm. my church on the Sermon on the Mount. So if people are interested in sure. kind of hearing me just yeah. teach these things through the whole sermon, I've got like 12 eight minute videos where you're okay. going to the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, that's and awesome. What you guys are just talking about there, too. Um, if you scroll down there, you'll see a couple of videos based on um, discussion of emotions because that okay. is something that comes up in the sermon yeah. and how and, and how to process our emotions. That's that's kind of a separate but related topic to what right. we're talking about. That we've got to start looking inside and paying attention to these things as well. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll have the link on the screen right there, guys, for all of okay. you listeners. You're, you're editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, as far as teaching and preaching goes, do you um, carry a specific kind of Bible? Do you, or 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 um, a word choice that you prefer for preaching? Oh, yeah, um, or preaching and teaching. 
our church usually uses the NIV. Um, okay. A lot of people, most people at the seminary probably use the ESV, and that's mm-hmm. great. Um, I don't know. I, just, I find the the NIV a little bit more readable and more accessible for the average churchgoer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just something we've used at our church for a long time. And I I don't really care what translation I preach from, actually. Right. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah. Well, I might be able to change your mind with that about not caring. Uh, I I do well, have. I'm sure there are some I don't. Want I do. I do have, and I think I'm about to bring one of them up. No, yeah. um, uh, I do have a quick quiz. You know, as people come on our podcast to try and kind of create a quick quiz, they can go through. Um, and I was thinking, hey, he's he's very experienced in Sermon on the Mount, and in the Gospels, and. Um, all that. So I found uh, a translation of the Bible, and I'm going to y- use that phrase very loosely, translation of the Bible. Uh, it's an Instagram page called the GZT, the Gener- Generation Z. Generations. Okay. Oh, are you familiar with these? No, no. I can just imagine what that Perfect. means. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So um, Caleb's going to read a passage that they have given. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Read a passage Caleb has <laughs> yeah. given, and uh, your task is to identify the passage. I think that you'll be able to do it. Bonus points for giving the chapter and verse. Okay. All right. All right. Um, okay. First one. Let's see if I can even say this. I don't. I don't speak <laughs> Generation Z very well. <laughs> really like emoji or something? No, <laughs> that would be much worse. That's uh... <laughs> all right. So number one is uh, chill out, Ab. Later, later will worry Ab itself. Yeah. So I suppose that's uh, Matthew six. Um, what verse would that be? Crap. I should know. Um, 24? No. No, much later on, 19, maybe 32, 33, somewhere in there. What's the verse? I don't know. Oh, Matthew um, that 6, is, 34. <laughs> that is really yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dang. Let each day, each day has enough trouble of its own. Yeah, right. therefore, yeah. do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Yes. Great wow. job. I'll, I'll give you a point for that one, just for tearing apart the chapter and verse first. Well, that was I have, quite a, I have a feeling you're going to crush the rest of these. All right, number two. Ask Alexa, play hide and seek, and ring that doorbell. Chief says, Chief stays on the lookout for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a little harder. Yeah. Are these all from the Sermon on the Mount? Or yes, they're all from the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. Uh, I don't know what that's trying to say. Um, <laughs> I have some Gen Z kids ask, in my mouth. Uh, that uh, ask Alexa, play hide and seek, and ring that doorbell. Chief stays on the lookout for you. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Maybe uh, ask Zeke and knock. So um, is that what it is? So mm. seven, uh, seven twelve or so? no, no, it's right before that, isn't it? Seven seven. Uh, seven yep, seven. Seven, yep, seven. That's the one. Dang, you got it again. <laughs> Ask and it'll be given to you, okay. and then seek. You'll find a knock, and the door will be open. Okay. <laughs> How they got to ask Alexa, play hide and seek, and ring that doorbell. Chief stays on the lookout for you. A little loose, a little loose. You're right. I, I know I Gen Z people. I've never heard. It's a little extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, of the, I feel like I know a couple people who speak fairly close to this, and that's the sad part about it. <laughs> name but, them. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Number, number three. three is, you're two for two so far. So. Yeah. 
Number three is if you only dap up the homies, how are you different? Yeah. If you only love those who love you, how is that greater? So that's uh, <laughs> uh, five. Um, 44, 45, somewhere in there. 47, right? yeah. Yeah. Seven. Gosh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I, you're doing way better than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the point I understood I'm getting old is because I Googled what is DAP. Uh, and it <laughs> is slapping palms as a form of greeting a friend and then holding their hand and pulling the fingers back. Yep. I did not know that myself. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So now up. I can. Uh, yeah use that word poorly and be even less out of touch than I was before I tried. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Number four. Number four. Don't bring out the mariachi band every time you donate to Chiefs at GoFundMe. Nice. That's a good one. Um, yeah. So that's <laughs> in the complex of six, one to 21 and it's on almsgiving. So it'd be mm -hmm. somewhere between six, two and six, Five, I guess, right? So mm -hmm. yep. Matthew right. six two. Thus, when you give to the trumpet, do not sound the trumpet, at, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. There you go. So don't bring out the mariachi band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it. I actually this, like that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that one kind of has a all right. Yeah, it kept the tone of it. I mean, yeah. So the, I'm I'm positive there's an uh, a theological problem on Chiefs GoFundMe, but um, yeah, you know, something sovereignty of God, something something, but yeah. All right, number five. Number five. You're four for four so far. So is there a prize at the end? I hope. We yeah. will Chick-fil-A gift card. Send your way. All right. <laughs> Number five. If your eye making you trip, yeet it away. Better for you to yeet your eye than for you to yeet. Nice. Wait. Okay. Better for you to yeet your eye than for you to be yeeted to hell. Yeah, yeah. That's hard so to if say. I cause you to fuck it out. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh. I'm going to fail you here. What verse that is. Um, I mean, it's obviously in chapter five. But mm -hmm. this is, um, I don't know. Yeah. In the 20s, 24, 25, somewhere in there. 529, yeah. If, if the right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Um, yeah, this is a... I'm, I'm, I'm not positive if I need to encourage using this in a sermon at some point or encourage <laughs> not using this in a sermon. I don't know. Uh, talk to the kids first and say like, Hey, if I say I'm uh, going to pluck the eye out and throw it, can I say I'm going to eat it? And then they'll probably say, no dad. Don't. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. figure out how to translate eat. I mean, when it's appropriate to use it or not. So for my I, kids, yeah. I think it's just not <laughs> like, it's just not appropriate ever. Yeah. I mean, if this doesn't show how knowledgeable you are on these verses and I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I was very impressed. Some of those, I was, I was like, there's no way he's going to get that. And you're like, Oh no, five nailed it. Dap yeah. on the homies. There you go. So that's great. So well, well uh, Hey, five for f five out of five, you're a winner. You nailed it. We'll be sure like to it. get you some Chick-fil-A <laughs> gift certificates. So absolutely. But no, um, I mean, this has been an absolute honor. Um, yeah. There's a couple, if, it, if people are trying to find everything that 
are you doing? Where do they need to go in order to check out the podcast, the books, and everything else? Anything you yeah. want to plug? So, I mean, you can go, thanks for asking, you can go mm -hmm. to jonathanpennington.com. It's not always entirely updated, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff on there. Um, tons of sermons um, and videos of me teaching various places and things. Um, mm -hmm. Sojourn East, um, I preach there about uh, once a month or so, sometimes more frequently. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I don't even know how many times I preach. It's a lot. I'm like, this. <laughs> um, and so you can find a lot of sermons there. Um, and then uh, books-wise, you know, Amazon, wherever. Mm -hmm. So I've got a lot of books out. Um, you, I think we were talking before we started. I've got a book coming out in October of 2020 called yes. Jesus the Great Philosopher, which is kind of a spinoff of this book. Of a, mm -hmm. but it's, a different, it's written at a different level. It's not a commentary. It's got, you know, Ron Swanson and Steve Martin and... <laughs> Alain de Vuitton and Plato and Aristotle and it's got I interact with all kinds of all kinds of philosophers and, awesome. and mm -hmm. cultural realities dealing with issues of how Jesus is really talking about what it means to be a full human and to live a full life. So absolutely, um, and that's coming out in October, right? Yeah, Brazos Press of Baker Publishing, um, October twenty twenty. Excellent. And, um, yeah. So I, but yeah, just yeah. Jonathan. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I know probably your generation below doesn't use Twitter, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I know I'll, that's I'll, weird. Yeah. <laughs> you barely um, use Facebook. It's not, weird. Uh, well, I, you know, TikTok is the way I should should be going if I want to. <laughs> but Twitter, Dr. JT Pennington on mm -hmm. Twitter, or awesome. Um, there, I have a professional Facebook page if somebody's inclined towards that. Jonathan T. Pennington as mm -hmm. my personal one. There's like one. And then again, Cars Coffee Theology mm -hmm. um, uh, on YouTube or social media. Awesome. I do it all. Thanks to Absolutely. my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all, it's all great stuff too. I mean, I've been impacted by all of it. It's, it's fantastic. And I just appreciate everything that you're doing. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank nice. you so much. Yeah. Good to meet you guys. Yeah. Nice to talk with you. Absolutely. Nice to meet you too. Well, Caleb, I think that is going to do it yep. for us today. I'm Caleb. And I'm Danny. And we, we are, are Nobody, Nobody Special. special.